Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah, I, you know, here's something that's really bothering me. Is, is, is there's a lot of, you know, Kyle says, uh, you know, just make a claim. I agree. You know, I'm looking at it. I agree. Make a claim. And the the problem with making a claim is people don't realize all the little nitty-gritty things that really come down to having a serious attitude about property. You know, for, for instance, you know, the, the attorneys put in things, and the attorneys are putting things that are written in a language you do not understand. How long are you willing to be controlled by members of a private club who use a language that you don't understand and have never been compensated to understand? You know, how long are you willing to put up with that? Are you going to go into court and just because the judge says, well, this is the way it is, are, are you going to take it? You have an Audrey nailed this last week. Uh, I think she's, she's just—I uh, she, think she broke through the ice and is now able to, to make. I think she's going to cover a lot of ground in the near future because what happened is she got sick of the abuse and she required the man to testify instead of having his attorney give offers of proof in a foreign language which she has not understood. So she cannot hold the attorney accountable for offers of proof because the attorney's not testifying under oath. Okay, the court says, well, the attorney is, a, is an officer of the court and is considered to be under oath at all times. Bullshit. Okay, you can't hold them accountable. They, you know, what are you going to do, go to the Judicial Conduct Committee and say, the attorney said things that weren't nice about me? And what are they going to say? Well, that's based on on what that guy said to the to the attorney. You know, so the, so you know the attorney is getting something that is not sworn to be true from some guy who's never going to be held accountable for his statements. Yeah, you know, it, it's just all bullshit. It's 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 opinion until that man takes the stand and verifies that shit under oath. Forget it. It doesn't exist. And you know, the best thing that could possibly happen is for a guy to put his stuff in front of an attorney, the attorney's secretary writes it all up, and then he swears that it's true. You take that statement, put him on the stand, and then just start tearing him apart with that paper he just put in. Right? And when we get to that point and we stop letting attorneys speak for the man that's accusing us of doing something or suing us or whatever, right? you, you make that man speak for himself. You take that stand and you speak for yourself. And when you get to that point, it's going to become so simple and scary because you know the facts. That man knows the facts. That man's not going to be able to lie through his attorney's office of proof. You, you know what I found interesting with that recording with Audra was that when she questioned about the um, if the attorney was sworn in, and, and I think the judge says uh, he's an officer of the court, He's presumed that everything he says is um, is uh, under oath, and um, and then the judge mentioned to Audra that uh, just as you have been sworn in, 
we presume that you uh, understand and, and, and know every, all about the law. Well, presuming is simply a strong assumption. But it I would was, say the judge says, I would not presume anything. That's simply a strong assumption. I won't strongly assume anything. I mean, if that's the, if that's the case, Your Honor, then there should be no problem for the attorney to go up there and swear in again under oath and affirmation and say, Your Honor, say, you do not presume that I know any of this, especially since I have already stated to the court that as far as legally and legalese, I am an idiot. A presumption is not a strong assumption. An assumption is when you take on the liability of what you are presuming. If you presume it, that's fine. It's just a presumption. But when you assume it, you are taking on the liability of the presumption. So it's a huge difference. Then I would say, well then, what mechanism does the court have in place if the attorney violates that oath? What if they lie? What is there to enforce them to tell the truth? What is the penalty? If there is no penalty, then they can say whatever the hell they want without any, without any worrying about anything coming back at them. But more importantly is the fact that the attorney has no firsthand knowledge and therefore has nothing to testify about. Okay, The attorney has nothing but an opinion, and why are we wasting the court's time listening to someone's opinion when the man with first-hand knowledge is sitting right there? Let's put him on the stand and let him tell his own story. What Arthur did in court was she told the judge, it wasn't even a judge, just a referee, marital referee, said, how am I supposed to hold him accountable if he doesn't take the stand? It was awesome, and like everything, like the court came alive when she did that, too, because everybody was just about falling asleep. Yeah, and the attorney took up probably, I would say, way over half an hour, just droned on and on and on and on, just, you know, like as, as opposed to burying the court in paperwork, she was just burying the court in rhetoric and painted this whole giant picture. And then Audra just brought the thing to a stop, and said, you know, the, the attorney is, is saying all of these things. All of this is hearsay. She has no firsthand knowledge of any of this. I, I believe I'm paraphrasing, but this is what I remember the intent was. So how can I hold anybody accountable unless they're willing to take the stand or their oath and affirmation to square that what they say is true? Do I not have the right to cross-examine this man? And the judge said, do you have any problem with that? And it, to the attorney. The attorney was like, uh, well, I guess not. And so he's like, do you, uh, Mr. So-and-so? And he's like, uh, no. So, well, take the stand. So he did. And he took the stand and he sat down. And then Audra started asking him all sorts of questions and, and started uh, uh, uncovering uh, inconsistencies in what he said. When he, when he and the attorney the started unwinding that thing in a real hurry. It was like, whoa, they went from full custody to back to the partial custody agreement and just backpedaling. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so the, the attorney was asking him questions under oath and leading him on, basically making sure that he didn't stray too far from what she wanted to pull out of him. And, uh, and you know, this is uh, something that I haven't mentioned. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. But, uh, you know, the attorney put him on the stand, and he testified about the things that he wished to testify about, and only those things, according to his attorney. And then Audra was able to cross-examine him on those points. 
she's not allowed at, you know, in this kind of a scenario, she's not allowed to ask him questions about things that have not been testified to. Because she couldn't bring out some other issues because because this man was not her witness. On the other hand, if she had subpoenaed him to court as her witness, she could put him on, you know, she could just call him to the stand, whether his attorney likes it or not. You know, I subpoenaed you. You're going to sit your ass on that stand, and I'm going to go to town on you. And she could, have just, she could have just had it up there as her witness. And, you know, this is something Carl told me about a few months ago, and it's something I didn't forget about it. But it's, uh, and I did talk to Audra about it, but it's something we have not yet exercised is your right to call the man up. Just because he's going to be in the courtroom and just because he's the, the man moving the case, or in this case moving a motion or what, you know, trying to move the court, uh, doesn't mean that he has to answer your questions. If you did not call him up, if you did not subpoena him as your witness, you know, he doesn't have to answer your questions. He's only there for himself. He's going to give testimony, and you only have a right to cross-examine cross his testimony. But if you call him as a witness, then it's it's you know it's wide open. You can you can talk about whatever you want that's relative to the case. But he's trying to get the court to order supervised visits because he's claiming that Audrey's use of common law is scary and and that uh, he doesn't understand common law and that anybody who uses common law is obviously a flake and shouldn't be trusted with children, you know, and that's his whole argument. And she's getting <laughs> really upset. She's, she's getting to the point where I think she's going to just rip on the on the guy at the next hearing. Uh, you know, it was not it, it wasn't testimony. You know, up, up until the man took the stand. Remember the attorney saying that she has no respect for the jurisdiction of this court. You know what? You know what this court is? It's the paperwork. The court is the paper. It's not the building, okay? It's the paper. Where, you know, the, the, the court of record is the paper. When, when a man walks into that court, uh, how does he take over the court? How does he uh, assert himself and remove the court, the, you know, the, uh, the presumption of administration only, and, and situate the court with his, because he's making a claim. So, you know, you can have simultaneous court. And when the judge asked uh, Audra, you know, did she believe the court had jurisdiction, there was a really long pause. And she determined that, yes, her court did have jurisdiction, and she did put paperwork into the court, and it was her court, and uh, there is jurisdiction there for her. And uh, I'm not sure that she agreed that the the administrative court had jurisdiction, but at what point is she going to get, you know, and it's not just her. I mean, there's a lot of other people that are working on this, on the same kind of thing. You know, at what point do you get where, uh, you know, you're talking about your property. It's my property that you're dealing with here. And the court, you know, and the attorney was saying, well, she's, you know, she's uh, talking about her property. Her, You know, she's saying her children are her property. Well, uh, what do you disagree? Are you saying they're your property? Do they belong to the state? Uh, do they belong to vital statistics? You know, whose property are they? And I think that's what's happening in Audra's case is that she's being constantly challenged for jurisdiction of her case. And it was good that she did that when he, the judge asked her, "Do you believe that you know the the, the court has jurisdiction?" And she perhaps clarifying at that point, "Yes, I believe my court has jurisdiction." 
You know, of course my court has jurisdiction. How could my court have anything other than jurisdiction? I'm a woman here before you in this court. This is my court. Of course it has jurisdiction. It's superior to any other court. And then let the judge try to challenge that <laughs> if he wants to. But he probably won't. He's probably just trying to make sure she knows she sticks to her guns. Speaking of letter writing, when you, you write your first letter of notice and then your second letter, like if you're writing to a government official, Brenda or whatever her name might be, and you write to her as the woman, Brenda, and then acknowledge her capacity that she's in, when she responds to you or she has her legal assistant respond on behalf of her, you never really got a response with her, so you write another letter saying, uh, you know, I hope this letter reaches you. Uh, the last one was uh, intercepted or interfered with by someone else. Uh, you, uh, you have not yet answered my questions. Uh, so you get that letter. Then that letter is answered again by another woman acting on this other woman's behalf. What's your what's your third letter? How do you how do you what's the best way to approach that last letter? Like saying, okay, now you're, well, you're the, uh, ignoring the, me, or you know, now you no longer, or like especially if you ask for a point of law, you know, provide me the point of law that deals with this issue. Well, you're writing you're you're writing to somebody, and somebody else is interfering with the delivery of the mail. And uh, let's let's say you're writing to the chief judge, and you're and you're looking for, you know, uh, a point of law or you know conclusions of fact or whatever you, whatever purpose you're writing to them about. Uh, if somebody inter interferes with that letter, uh, you know, one time, two times, the third time I'd be writing to Frank, the secretary, and saying, "Hey, Frank, you, you know, you do cause uh, you, you do cause I a man harm by interfering." With my uh, my right to communicate with uh, Lucy, who uh, sometimes acts as judge, and uh, you know, man to man, I'm telling you right now, knock it off, because you know, if you keep doing this, I'm going to have to seek compensation. Yes. So one of the replies that I received back in in a circumstance was like that was, we request that you no longer contact us in this manner. Yeah, any future correspondence will be returned. Well, I would say I would I would write back. I would love to honor your request. However, you and I have a matter which needs to be settled, hopefully on the private side, because it's just a request. Now, if they say that they're going to require or they're going to demand or stop freaking writing me, then I would send one more saying, well, I'm very sorry that you would not settle this on the private side, I guess we're going to have to settle it in court and let 12 of our friends and neighbors decide this for us. Unless, of course, you would like to settle on the private side, please contact me because I would like to spare ourselves that time and trouble and also spare 12 of our friends and neighbors the time and trouble because I'm sure they'd rather be doing something productive rather than that's listening that's to two grown people not be able to settle our, different, our differences in an in a amicable manner. This is to the Chief Justice. So wait, you're trying to get information from him. He does not want to respond to you. Right. Okay. Is it possible to get the chief the information you need from anybody other than the chief justice? I mean, he has people who work for him. 
Doesn't he have a subordinate? Well, they provide I, the information? I, you've gone through you've gone through the local judge okay. who answer. You've gone through the regional judge who's refused to answer. Okay. And you've written to the chief judge. But I mean it just it, it does, is he aware that you've gone through all these judges and that the buck is stopping with him? Yes. Uh, is this the butcher? Yeah. Just want, wanted uh, the, the fellow who's talking to know that uh, the letter was written on behalf of the judge, not the judge himself. Yeah, yeah I was going to bring that up. The letter was written oh, to the chief judge. The chief judge referred the letter to her assistant who who wrote on her behalf. Okay, I'm on, on the chief judge's behalf. All right, so the judge didn't want to deal with it, handed it off to an assistant, who Correct. handed it off to another assistant who wrote the letter. Correct. No, one okay. assistant. All right, well, then, I mean, I think you got to, if that's the case, then you have to deal with the assistant. I mean, it's, you know, if you're talking to the head of the corporation and you're trying to find out, you know, what happened with the shipment of widgets or how you're supposed to get the, the supply chain thing worked out because you're a vendor, you're not going to talk to the CEO about that. You're going to talk to the logistics manager. So I would I would write to them. And eventually it may get back up to the chief judge. I mean, he's just trying to push you off and shuffle you around, um, it sounds like. Uh, or maybe legitimately he's like, I can't, I don't have time to answer this. This is why I have subordinates. So, I mean, I guess I would really have to read all the papers to get an idea of, like, yeah, how the that, correspondence went. I was trying to figure out what am I missing in my questioning for them to... I believe uh, Mike and I and Vital were, were speaking about uh, your case, and uh, I'm under the assumption that the judge has full jurisdiction because you were licensed, and she can't hear you whatsoever. Otherwise, uh, that would be, what's, what do they call that, compromising? Uh, the judge has full jurisdiction because of this licensing crap, right? That's well, what I'm thinking. But who's to say I was operating under the license at that time? I'm attempting to file a notice in the court prior to a trial. Uh, and I'm going to mark this file on demand. You know Absolutely. what that means, right? I then they have to give it to the judge. It I, goes right, over, right I did, past. I did that. I, I put the paper on the counter, file on demand. Yes. Called security, and three security guards came and pushed me out of the building. They're interfering with the proper the proper function of the courts. They are acting in a lawless manner. You're gonna. So I was told as they were pushing me out the door, and I had a witness with me, not to come back. Okay. So I went then to the next jurisdiction, of the next neighboring county, and went to see a justice of the peace. Okay. And I said to the justice of the peace, I'm trying. I'm attempting to file this uh, notice in the court because you're required to file the notice, take it out, have it served on the people, provide proof of service, that's your proper notice. Is that correct? Yes. I'm I'm unable to file these documents. They're telling me that they're not on the right form and that they're not the right color paper and that they had an order from the judge saying that they're not to accept any paperwork until the day of trial. And she looked at me kind of funny and uh, she says, what notice are you trying to file? Right? So I said to her, one of them is a notice of mistake or a notice of error. And she says, well, I know of no notice, no legal notice like that. And I said, this is a lawful notice. 
And she says, well, there is no law that states of a notice of mistake. She said, do you know of any law of such? And I looked back at her and I says, I don't know of any law that, that hinders me from filing this notice. I said, do you know of a law that I'm not allowed, that I cannot file a notice of mistake or a notice of error? And she says, no, I don't. So I said, then I should be able to file this notice. She says, I can't help you in this jurisdiction. You have to go back to that court and file it with the hearing judge. You know what your problem is, Dave? Yeah, what? Big mouth. Why are you telling her all this stuff? When she asks you what is the notice that you're trying to file? Yes, exactly. That's true, Mike. Ask, ask her how is that relevant to you? Exactly. Yeah. And after I got out, and I, I, yeah, that's true. You got to stop talking. And when, when they're asking you questions, you should be firing questions back or putting it all on paper or at least put it on paper after you get home. Record it and write it down according to our face-to-face conversation yesterday you said this you said that whatever but it's got to be on paper and you got to stop going back and forth with these people because now now you've told her to notice a mistake which is going to scare them a little bit and then you say you notice this and notice that and they're like oh shit now i know why they're not filing this and they're going to be working against you right off the bat whereas if you leave it where i'm trying to file a notice and they won't let me and that's all they know. Now they know they got a problem and they got to help you. But when you start yeah. saying it's a notice this, a notice that, and you start yeah, scaring people. The very first hearing, I handed in my four questions and notices. The judge started reading the, the first two questions and said, uh, you'll have to bring this at trial. He says, I'm not accepting this paper. What about getting hold of the attorney general? One of the things that the, the clerk said is that the building was leased by the Bar Association, by the Crown. All right, so you know, it is the Bar, it is the Crown's clerk, it is the Crown's court, it is the Crown's oh, God. security, it's the Crown's everything. So what I had told Dave to do is go to your county commissioners and find out, look, you guys are leasing out the public courthouse to the Crown, uh, where do I go? Which, you know, is it door number three that I have to go into in order to access my common law court? So uh, I don't know if Dave, if you've had a chance to follow up with that. No, uh, I went and spoke to uh, uh, one of the uh, county, he's not a commissioner, but the, the um, he's a CEO of the county. And he said, yes, he in fact confirmed that the Crown leases the building uh, there is no other space available for leasing to to hold any courts or anything like that. Um, and I have an email in or to the uh, one of the commissioners to find out uh, exactly what you were talking about, Gus. Um, uh, where is the public's court to go and file a claim? Where can a man or woman go and file a claim without going through the Bar Association of the Crown? You're going to have to file all your notices while you're in court, and you're going to have what's to stand to stop, as a man. What's to stop uh, the judge at that time to say, I'm not going to accept these your notices? Then you have to send him, give him a notice. Uh, he's going to, I don't think, can he do that? I don't he, think that's possible. He's done it at every hearing that I've been to. 
but he won't accept well at the hearings. But he said he he, he can't accept them at the hearing. He has to accept them at trial. Yeah, he did. He said bring them to you, bring them to to the trial. It didn't say okay. he would accept them. Well, he, he said he wouldn't accept them at trial, or he said he wouldn't no, accept he them. Did, at the he, he said neither I would or I would not accept them. He just said bring your documents to the trial. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. But that so doesn't necessarily mean he will accept the documents. Well, okay, if you're in court, Dave, on the day of trial, and the um, you know the, the very first thing, the first paper that you're going to put into the court uh, is, the is court your notice record. of appearance. You know, you're, you know, this is, I, I appear only as a man. I do not appear as a defendant. I do not appear as you know whatever other titles. Uh, you know, you would like to put in there. Well, I, I get that. Like they handed the summons directly to me. I'm the man. I'm, I'm a yeah. man. They handed it directly to me. So I'm the one who received the summons to appear in my capacity as a man. Otherwise, they would have sent it to the fiction. Well, the fiction's attached to the man, but you can either be the fiction or the man. So they have to go. They they're, so they're assuming, and rightly so, that the the, the the fiction belongs to the man. So go to the man because he's the one that owns the fiction. It's your fiction. Yeah. And here here's and the thing. At one, of the, at one of the hearings, uh, I sent in a, a, um, a notice a challenge to jurisdiction, and it was right. it was put into the case file, and I got a copy of the case file with the notice of ju jurisdiction challenge. Hang on, Gus fourteen just chimed in on the chat. You're the resident agent for the name. So I guess you're the resident agent for the name, the person. Well, if I can clarify something, Dave is not the owner of the legal person. The Crown is. Yeah, the Crown owns the legal person, obviously. Okay. But that means that he's the agent for that legal person. So they own it, and you're administrating the property. Or could it be that Dave's the man, and that's that? I have no clue what this legal person is. I have no no idea who this all capitals name is on this page. All I know that I Dave am a man. Well, then that's where you run into where the judge will say, "Okay, we're looking for William Dave. Uh, you're is William Dave here today? He's not here today. We'll issue a warrant or bench warrant for him." Then you say, thank you for your judicial determination that I am not the man you are looking for. Go ahead, issue your warrant, go find the defendant and bring him in here. I'll wait right here. You go get him, bring him to court. I wouldn't wait at that point. I'd be like, thank you very much. I'm glad that you, this is a case of mistaken identity. See ya. As soon as, as soon as you're standing right there and he says that they're going to issue a warrant for somebody else, beautiful. Thank you for thank you for saying that I'm not the guilty party. I'm not the defendant. I'm I got nothing to do with this case. That's a very good point. That's good. excellent. Yep. Yeah, thank you for thank you for recognizing I am not the defendant. I hope you find him. Have a nice day. There's another way I believe you can file your paperwork. Um, you know they have forms. You ask them is there a form that you can bring in your you know bring in a complaint. And they probably do have one. You fill out that complaint form, but you put on there Exhibit A. And then you write in your claim. The only reason you fill out this form so the uh, clerk can file it. 
So it has nothing to do, uh, exhibits has nothing to do with your claim. These you will get your claim in. So file the claim as an exhibit attached to a complaint? No. What I'm saying to you, they have a form for complaints. And that's legal ease, yes. But that's something they understand. Obviously, they don't understand your paperwork. So, therefore, you fill out that complaint form that they understand. And once you fill it out, you put somewhere on the paper, exhibit A. Don't let them see you. Mm-hmm. And then you put your, then on your claim, you're going to put the only reason you fill out that form, that complaint form, is so the secretary could file it. Yes, I, I, we, we did that because I filed a in their thing a notice of motion for more time to a postponement for more time. I used their form and I went through probably five or six times because I had crossed out certain words written in my own words, square bracketed stuff. They wouldn't accept anything. So, anyways, the the notice of motion for postponement was entered into the file. When I was in the other day to get the, when they threw me out, I got a copy of the case file. That notice of motion and those documents are no longer in that case file. Along what? with my challenge for jurisdiction that I had before that was in the previous uh, case file that I got. Did they stamp it when you filed it? Yes. Do you have a copy of it with the stamp on it? Yes. They're done. You have evidence now that they're tampering with the file. It was actually wow. filed and been removed, and you have the proof that it's been filed. The notice of motion for postponement was put into the file, stamped and put into the file. At the notice of motion, at the hearing for postponement, I handed in the challenge for jurisdiction to the judge. The judge received it. I gave the prosecutor a copy. Those files I didn't get a stamped copy of, the notice of mo- for uh, challenge to jurisdiction. However, when I got a copy from the clerk, they were handed to me, a copy was handed to me of those documents. Um, when I went back again to get to get to, to file the uh, more notices, uh, they, those documents were removed. All my registered mail that I sent was in the stack of papers there unopened. What they didn't return was there, was there unopened. But however, when I re- when I requested the or required the uh, uh, complete certified copy of the case file, I was given just the original four or five documents. What was the uh, summons? Two pages of the summons, and three pages of the information, and a copy of the um, original ticket from the uh, offense officer. So I was back down from nine documents to I believe it was six, six or seven. And you have copies of these these documents that yes. they removed from the case. Okay. Yes. And perhaps you might be able to enter some more paperwork in and have them tamper and trespass on the paperwork again and remove evidence. This seems very similar to what they did to Carl with putting a fake contract into his case file and not letting him see it. Only in this case, this indicates to me that you are on the right track they know they don't, that they have no jurisdiction. They got nothing to stand on, and the only way that, that they're going to they're going to be able to run over you is if they break the law, if they lie, cheat, and steal. And if what if what you're saying is accurate, and what Mike is saying is accurate, these guys are screwed. 
they stamped it received, but they did not stamp it filed. Yeah, no, it was stamped filed. The notice of motion was stamped filed. The note that one particular document, the notice of motion for more time, was stamped and entered into the file and properly served. The the process server would have a copy of those documents as well. Uh, is that the one that's missing? Or I thought there was that, a different that's one. That's the one. Missing. That's the one that is missing from the current case file that I got on oh, the day really? thrown out. You're going to have to bring this out in court because they probably somebody is probably what happened is somebody just told the clerk, "Hey, do me a favor. You know what I mean? We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Just take these out of the file and, and keep them someplace safe. You know, because I think once you come to court and you bring this stuff forward, and it's like, you know, this court does not have jurisdiction. Jurisdiction was supposed to be in this court. Here's the paperwork that proves it. The, the, the judge, who may not even have access to it at that point, that might not have produced it, will go, where did this paperwork come from? How come I don't have a copy? Say, well, I don't know. Maybe you need to talk about the people who are administrating the paperwork. It appears, perhaps, that uh, they are sloppy with it, because we oh, shouldn't even be here right now. We should be in my court. Are you going to be seeing the same judge that's already rejected it? Uh, actually, he made a comment at the at the last hearing that he say uh, said I may not be your uh, the trial judge. Maybe that's why he may not be your judge because he can't stand he can't act as a magistrate in a court of record. And if you're that's not able to flip this possible. court, are you going to go for a jury? Uh, apparently, in this in this case, it's it's not it's a non-jury. Uh, I, I'm not really sure about all that, but yeah. I would. My opinion is, in most cases, you do not want to go with a jury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I w I don't think this is a good time for a jury. No. The average idiot that's going to be on the jury is <laughs> going to be looking at it as these guys are the city, you're a corporation, and the prosecutor's doing his job, and everybody's doing their job, and. They're not going to understand. First, the judge knows the black and white letter of the law, and he's going to know a man's a man and what they're doing is wrong. There's another reason. The jury takes all liability away from the prosecutor or the judge. Right. Sorry, it's loud here. I would go with a bench trial because at a bench trial, you can hold both the judge and the prosecutor liable as a man. And juries can be manipulated like crazy. Statutory court, though. That's not a common law court. Yes. Common law court, the jury is there to hear the man. First, they'll have to be a man making a claim against you. But so the judge, it's not going to go that far because nobody's going to get up there from the government and swear under oath and affirmation that they were harmed because there was no harm. Hold on. But, they're not talking about harm. They're talking about a contract violation. Okay, he's under contract. They're, they're claiming that he is under contract uh, you know, because he owns a butcher shop or a, a market, and that market uh, is somehow registered or affiliated with the state, with the province, with whatever, and that they have a health board which monitors these things, and therefore he violated the contract right. provision. Okay. And when you look at, you know, what happened is Dave and I were going through this, and uh, he's being charged with obstruction of a health board officer, that's one of his charges, and the health board ordered Dave to do XYZ. Uh, when you research the statutes, the uh, health board has no authority to order a man. They only have authority to order a person. 
So in this case, you're talking about a contract violation. Like Dave said, where you know who says I was operating under a license? You know what man is going to come forward and verify under oath or affirmation that I was operating under any kind of a license at that time? And then uh, you know where's your authority to order I, a man, to do anything? You know you wrote this order to a man. You did not write this to my to my business or to you know to to any kind of a person which in your code is described as a municipality, a health board unit, or a corporation. Yep. So, you know, the, he, he's got some really good angles, but it, it needs to be all on paper. Yeah, here's something else. Because this entity who's coming after me is a public entity, it's a health board, it's a, it's a corporate, it's a, an autonomous corporation, so I went to the state, or here we call it provincial, records, files, mm-hmm. and I pulled the certificate of no record. So there is no record, no letters patent, no, uh, there is nothing registered for this entity in the provincial archi- or records of corporations. So I have a letter from the judiciary. Uh, I have to I have to look if it's the Judiciary, or if it was from the Ministry of Health, I believe it was the Ministry of Health, who said that it's an autonomous corporation made up of the local counties who operate this entity. But there is no registration in the government records that they have letters patent or that they've renewed or that they're anything. It's a certificate of of record. There is no record. It's just proof that it's a fictional entity. Yeah, but it does show that not only is it a fictional entity, it's not even a properly registered fictional entity. Correct. It's it's literally Santa Claus. Okay, the plaintiff must appear. I'm a man. I have a right to cross-examine the the uh, the plaintiff. Yeah. What a man has a right to in common law applies at all times, 24/7. So just because you find yourself in an administrative court doesn't mean that you cannot require them to prove the contract. You have to prove the contract before you can hold me liable for anything within the contract. One of the things is the party who's claiming to have a legitimate uh, complaint against a man is an entity that doesn't even exist. Okay, They don't even exist on paper. They're nowhere to be found. I require the contract to be verified before we move forward, and the contract cannot possibly exist because... The plaintiff doesn't exist. You know, there's no record of the plaintiff existing anywhere. So how can there be a contract? So these are the kinds of things that you can write up, but they have to be written up. It's certainly not something you want to put in there. In court, yes. I, I got my ass chewed out the first time and stupid enough didn't listen and went to a hearing and talked again and got chewed out again by another guy. Get the email addresses for all these people and just send them a notice by email. Notice. I got nice. notice the other day in my email from government. Notice. And that's what it came through. Notice. You're going to need to reestablish your paperwork with us if you want to do this next year. Notice. And CC the Attorney General at the same time. There we go. When a man gives notice, he gives notice to the world. To the public. If yeah. you give judicial notice, you give a notice only to the judge. But when you give notice, uh, when you give a simple notice, that's a notice that goes to the world, which includes the man who is acting as judge. Exactly. Yeah. So 
So my notices right. that some of my notices I pinned up on their bulletin boards. Now, Dave, Dave, I'm just wondering, uh, did you send a letter out? I don't recall. I know we talked about this a couple months ago, but was one of the letters that went out something that was talking about compensation for going to court, wasting your time? You mean a fair warning? Yeah, fair warning. Yes. Okay. And uh, what's the... Yeah, does it have to do with, uh, I don't recall what the compensation is for. What are you requiring for them to prove in court or to do in court, and if they don't do it, you're going to seek compensation? Uh, there was a, we had a, a notice of a claim of baritry. Is that what you're referring to? Okay. Yeah, so what what does that say? Um, the other one was that they were administrating my property without right. Uh, yeah, I require the plaintiff to appear in person under oath to verify all claims. And if the plaintiff uh, does not appear, and if you know if these claims are not verified, then I require compensation of, and put a number. And you know, your fair warning should have been along those lines. It, it might be a good idea to send the, the fair warning for a barrier would have gone out to a law firm for uh, moving a claim that, you know, on, on behalf of a fictitious plaintiff or something like that, uh, you might want to follow that up with a letter that uh, lets them know that you're going to be seeking compensation if they do not, uh, if the plaintiff does not appear to verify the claims. Yeah, well, they gave no, they replied with to the claim of barrier that they intend to go ahead with the prosecution. Well, going back to Dave's situation, uh, I think two more things uh, to think about are there may be a contract and the person may be bound, but there's still the man attached to that person. They still, no matter what, cannot cause harm to the man. And another point is uh, it appears he might have evidence that someone's tampered with the file, which is a huge uh tool in his belt yeah all all done in writing yeah so regardless whether it's a person or a man the tampering with the file is huge well you, let's say you steal let's say you steal a, a cop's car now then let's pretend that the cop's car is owned by the police department uh, based on the information that I'm learning the knowledge I'm learning about common law if there's no man that's going to come forth and claim the car, then couldn't you just use common law to avoid uh, returning the property? Sure. Just just pray to God that the cop doesn't know anything about the common law because the cop may step from behind his badge, become the man, and say, this man took my squad car and interfered with my ability to do my job and got my and reduced my standing in the uh, police department. Yeah, you know, you are talking about a corporation, no different than Disney World, or yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a municipal corporation. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say they're no different; they are different. They're they're a different type of corporation, just like a joint stock company is not a uh, an investment company. Yeah, you know, they're they're different companies. They're, there's hundreds and hundreds of different types of companies, and a municipal corporation has different functions. They've got different authorities. Some of them are chartered through the through the legislature, and actually, uh, you know, do have certain authorities. 
but the, the man acting as police officer is not going to step out of his uniform and claim ownership of the car, which does not belong to him. It belongs to the corporation. So that, there's there's a lot of stuff there, uh, but it's, it, that sounds like a pretty complex uh, scenario. I was thinking about this very thing earlier today, listening to an early, earlier recording of Carl was on. He was expressing concern that if people start to exercise their rights as men and women under the common law, that it's going to create chaos because they will be able to defend themselves uh, and take advantage of their status as a man. You know, Not uh, against a jury, they won't. Exactly. To the detriment, though, of all these corporations and that it will negatively affect commerce and blah, blah, blah. Except um, that... Except that once everyone catches on to this, if you were to abuse your common law rights as a man against a corporation to take advantage of them, then, then one of the shareholders of that corporation or executive of that corporation or the CEO of that corporation could then file a claim against that man for baratry. And then you've got a man against a man, and this is how you harm the corporation, which I am the CEO of, and makes that claim, never, and who does the jury never, side for Probably the we're, CEO we're the person who's abusing their rights. We're, we're never going to get anywhere near that ever happening because, uh, for one thing, people are not learning this stuff at any kind oh, yeah. of place where they're going to be willing to assert themselves because they're scared to death to go to court. So that's number one. Number two, should people get to that point, uh, the judge, the man acting in his capacity as a judge, has a duty to the community to protect it from morons who do this <laughs> And he'll just, he'll just overrule the jury and find you guilty, and he'll make you fight and fight and fight for 20 years. You're not going to win. And everybody in the community is going to support the guy who's doing that shit. He's going to support the judge, okay, the man acting. Yeah, because he's protecting the community from some asshole. So we don't have to worry about that. It ain't going to happen. You have to have a victim where you have to have caused harm to somebody. And so that's why we say, uh, is there any man or woman here who can point to me and say that I've, that I've done them harm, right? Yeah, I've done them wrong. And then my, so my question is, I've been harmed, they have been harmed by me. That's what I thought. And I, and I, I ask the basic question, why? Why do you even need to have that uh, as a uh, requirement? And my answer uh, on the, uh, my answer, if I may answer it, was because only a man has rights. I mean, only I'm a just man has to... rights. Only a man has rights. Everything else under man is duties, obligations, and responsibilities. So that would include any corporation or government entity, anything like that. Corporation has a duty, not. obligation, and responsibility to its shareholders. So that's well, the whole the corporation. Thing. You know, it depends on whether it's an S corp, a C corp, an LLC. I mean, there's a bazillion different types of corporations out there. They're still subservient to the man, though, because they are a creation of man. They are. They have been created to benefit man, just like government was created to benefit man. Government was not created to be of detriment or to harm man. And when when government, or the agents of government are detriment are detriment to man or harm man, then they need to be corrected, and they need to make the they need to right the wrong. They need to make the undo the harm. They need to compensate for the wrong. There is another element which is contract, and when you're talking about the health board unit or the driver's license, you know these are all contract law, and there doesn't have to be a man harmed for there to be a breach of contract. 
if I have a contract with Frank to to get something done, I mean, there's you know, essentially everything comes down to some kind of a loss, uh, but not necessarily a harm or an injury. And in, in, in a contract situation, there's uh, performance requirements, and when somebody does not perform according to the contract, uh, that's it. You know, there, there's a penalty for that. And that's that's where the man, you know, that's where you're outside common law. You know, well, the law it, it, it is common law because it's, it's been around forever. You know, and the Constitution of the United States specifically uh, is prohibited from interfering. The government of the United States, which is created by the Constitution, is specifically prohibited at Section 1, uh, uh, Article 1, Section 10, from interfering with the obligations of contracts. So, you know, that's totally common law. That that remains in in the common law sphere of things. And where the contract cannot be proven uh, or, or the contract is not, uh, yeah, I guess you could say not proven, then the court, if it has a residual kind of a uh, jurisdiction, may switch over to equity to wrap the case up. But, uh, you know, there doesn't necessarily need to be a man that's harmed. That's interesting, although you could argue if any if some performance was not rendered, there you, you could argue that was a harm, so to speak. A loss. Not a, a harm, loss. But a loss, yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that way you're covering all your bases. Well, yeah. a loss is just a more specific form of harm, though, isn't it? I mean, if you lose money, if some, somebody gives somebody money to do something, they don't do it, you've lost the money, and you've been harmed because you have been denied the use of the money. Okay, but uh, according to the way Carl has described it, and, and what I've researched uh, you know, proves out this a lot. I, I, I still haven't really got it real, real, real clear, but it's getting clearer every day. Injury is my peace of mind, okay? If you disturb my peace, if you cause me stress, you, you are injuring the man because the man lives within the body like a hand in a glove. You, when, the, when, the, when the man takes the glove off, the glove can be injured because that's the body, but, but the hand inside the glove is what animates it. And the man is within the body. The man is the animating factor, whereas the body is like the glove. So the body can be injured, but the man can be harmed. And the injury is a physical thing, whereas a loss is something outside the, the, the man and outside the man's body. Isn't injury damage to property? Because I, I think I've heard Carl say that harm is harm is like flesh and bone, actual physical damage to a man's body. Well, the pain resulting from the physical harm, from the physical injury, would cause harm to the man. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, don't you, know, sue, you don't sue a man. You, you seek compensation. There was a call on the chat. I think it's Corn Girl. She was asking, like, the police shot her dog, and she would like to know how to go after him. What can you file against a police officer who shoots the dog? Nothing. But you can file something against the man who killed your your dog. Because the police officer, uh, it's not in his job description. So there's no such thing as, you know, 
police officers go around shooting dogs. That, that's not a, a thing that is uh, approved uh, by the legislature because see, a, a police officer has a very specific position to maintain, which is described by the legislature. And if he goes outside of that, then he's outside his immunity, outside his job description, and he is standing there naked as a man. No uniform whatsoever. No immunity. So there's no cloak. And uh, so when a, when a man does something that he shouldn't have done, he's now held liable as a man, like anything else, like any other man. There's an old maxima law that says an outlaw, as it were, is put outside the protection of the law. So if you break the law, you can't expect the law to protect you. And by that man, while acting as a police officer, he stepped outside of his jurisdiction. He did something he's not allowed to do. So he wasn't performing his job while he did that. He was acting as a man. And that's why the man would be held liable. Right. And it's good to put his the, the, the chief of that man, who sometimes act like the chief of the police department, put him on notice what his worker did, the man, to your door. And so all of them is on notice what happened, and you seek compensation. You put exhibit A and attach a picture to it, a picture of your dog, and say my property. Don't use the word dog. So just make sure you do it right, enter the claim. And, you know, I mean, if your family was harmed by this, by the trauma of watching their, you know, family member get, you know, executed in front of them, and you caught it on video, which is great. Uh, I think you have a very, very, very strong claim, and I think you will be able to hold this man to account. And I really hope you do, because that is wrong. When you ask for a valid claim, you know, to be brought forth for the for the court to be able to move, and he acts like the complaint against you is a valid claim, and he moves the court anyway, does that give you... Um, grounds to file a claim against who the judge what did the judge do well I've been asking for a valid claim to be brought forth for the court to move and um, of course he knows as well as I know there's no valid claim but he's been acting like the complaint is a valid claim he said well this is valid you know um, have you read the paperwork blah 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 and uh, he's our, he's just continued to, you know, move the case forward, and he actually set a trial jury date. If a member from the other team breaks the rules, are you going to throw the referee in the penalty box, or are you going to throw the member of the other team that actually made committed the wrong? You're trying to throw the referee in the penalty box. No, I was asking because I'm not sure. So it's the ADA. Yes, as far as I can tell, it would be the prosecutor's office to make sure that it's a, a solid case. And if the evidence doesn't sh clearly show that a wrong has been done, it's their duty and obligation to dismiss or discharge. You can put conditions on that. You, know, you can send a letter out and then a follow-up letter and then you know, a, a fair warning letter you know, letting them know, hey, you know, I don't believe anyone will testify that I was operating under a license. I don't believe the plaintiff will appear to verify uh, his claim 
in open court under oath or affirmation. And to be denied uh, this is going to be a waste of my time. Uh, I'm willing to go to court to, to uh, answer for myself. However, if the claim be not verified and and no uh, no you know no no witness uh, be on you know at hand to verify that I was operating under any kind of a license, then uh, why am I going to court when you can't prove your case? If you're going to drag me into case into the court uh, to, and, and waste my time, that I require compensation. You know, you, you wouldn't expect Elton John to perform for free, you know, to go to Las Vegas and perform. So why why would you expect me to go to your court and perform? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.